Hey, Lily, have you ever wanted to just throw it all away, tell your boss to go stuff it, and start your own thing? You know, be a founder or co-founder of a new company? Yes, definitely. And I have begun a number of side projects that I hoped would blossom into fully-fledged startup, but none of them really took off for one reason or another. I even started a blog way back about all the ideas that I didn't have time to pursue. What about you, Randy? Yeah, you know, it's just not really for me, I've realized. Even though we co-founded the podcast and I have my own company for consulting, I like helping other people solve problems. So I think that my startup ambitions are limited to side projects. But I'm totally fascinated by people who make the transition from product manager to founder. Then it's a really good thing we have one of those people here with us for a chat today. Alexander Hip co-founded the PM Library and spent a few years as product manager at Zing and N26. But he left behind his product career earlier this year to co-found a startup called Beyond with his best friend. And he's here today to tell us all about what he's learned so far and what he wished he knew before making the jump. Let's get right into it. The Product Experience is brought to you by Mind the Product. Every week, we talk to the best product people from around the globe about how we can improve our practice and build products that people love. Visit mindtheproduct.com to catch up on past episodes and to discover an extensive library of great content and videos. Browse for free or become a Mind the Product member to unlock premium articles, unseen videos, AMAs, roundtables, discounts to our conferences around the world, training opportunities, and more. Mind the Product also offers free Product Tank meetups in more than 200 cities, and there's probably one near you. Alex, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. For those people who aren't familiar with you already, who don't know Beyond, who don't know the PM library, who don't know all the other stuff you've done, can you just give us a quick intro? Tell us what you're up to now and how did you get into product? Hi, thanks a lot for having me. Um, I actually got into product five, six years ago, straight out of university. Um, I think these days you would even consider calling the studies I was doing five, six years ago, um, product management. They were called differently media and communication management. But in the end, there was a lot of psychology. How do people learn with new media? How, how does usability work? Um, we had a bit of coding, we had a bit of designing. So it prepared me super well for starting as a PM um, five, six years ago. And then directly straight out of university, I started at Xing in Hamburg in Germany as a product manager. Um, spent there a couple of years and joined N26, the fintech from Berlin um, in, in, in Barcelona two and a half years ago. And then in the beginning of the year, that's probably the, the part where we're talking about quite a lot today, kind of jumped ship and started my own thing, co-founded something together with one of my best friends. And yeah, so still being responsible for the product part of it, um, but with that history of knowing at least a bit how to code and how to design um, with all respect to designers and uh, developers out there, I wouldn't consider myself one. But with that history, I'm, I'm, I'm being responsible for the, the product side of Beyond. Um, you mentioned the PM library, which is a, a side project, which grew to six friends 
together curating books for product people. If you haven't checked it out, um, feel free. There's roughly 600 books now that we're um, putting out there. A lot of authors you already had on the podcast. So there might be some quite nice gems in, in our selection. Yeah, I think we've got plenty of overlap and there will be links to the PM library and everything else in the show notes. So don't be afraid to, to check that stuff out. Um, before we get into why you made the jump from working as a product manager, building other people's products to, to being a founder, just give us a little bit of background. What is Beyond? What's the idea that, that you guys uh, decide to jump into? Yeah, so Beyond actually was the next evolution of the PM library in that sense. With the PM library, it was the six of us um, allowing others to to put out their book recommendations, their favorite five to six books. We called it On My Shelves. Randy, yourself also did an On My Shelf a while back. So sharing your favorite content pieces. And with Beyond, we wanted to allow everyone out there and not only books, but like content in general um, that can be recommended to people who are interested in, in a specific topic. We did that for, for a couple of months. We learned a lot. And just two, three weeks ago, we decided to do kind of a pivot with Beyond. So we're still working on community building. But since we were building a content curation platform, we actually consumed quite a lot of content and learned a ton about where the internet is going in the next years, um, where community building in, in, in essence is going in the next years. And so we said, okay, we, we want to combine those two things. We want to still build something where um, a community could evolve, where people share content recommendations with each other. But the problem is fundamentally more in how people build community and if they're owning part of that community, so we, we want to leverage Web3 technology with blockchain to allow normal people, because at the moment, it's let, let's face it, it's still quite hacky um, and it's still quite developer focused. So we want to allow normal people to build communities with Web3 technology, where it's so much easier for everyone to own a piece or to tokenize their, their community, to own a piece of that community. And yeah, that's that's what we're currently investigating a bit more, interviewing a couple of people and having an MVP quite soon ready to be released. So, yeah. Okay, well, we'll talk a lot more about uh, knowing when to pivot and things like that a little bit later on. Let's, let's start at the beginning with this. What made you decide that you wanted to take what had been a hobby and with the PM library and turn it into a business and stop drawing a regular paycheck from, from a day job? Yeah, the the goal was not really to become a founder in that sense. I, I see myself more as a creator. I always struggled with just kind of optimizing existing products. So for me, it was always going one level deeper. I wanted to create something. I had the opportunity at in both roles at Xing as well as N26 to start a couple of things from scratch um, where there was completely green field and we we were allowed to to explore um i'm i'm a product person in that sense who felt much more in in love with the problem rather than with any solution like i don't 
I, I, I'm not so attached to a pot potential solution. I'm rather like, I really want to dig into a problem and try to understand it and then try to solve it together with a team. Depends on how big that team is at the moment. It's just the two of us, um, but it's still fun. And I, I think that was kind of building up over time. I It was not a decision I made from one day to the other, but it was more like building up over a couple of years where I said, okay, I, I really want to learn first how bigger companies or how tech companies work, how um, they're being set up. And I think it's still fundamental to be at one point successful. Even if you're just two people, you should know kind of the basics and how it works. And then at, in the beginning of the year, the timing was just right with my best friend just coming out of a accelerator in Berlin. Um, and we said, okay, let's, let's, let's explore this this opportunity with um, the PM library dot 2.0 at that point. And since then, I think I learned more in this year than in kind of the 20 years before probably. And it's fun, like it's super nice. You, you can do whatever you, you want. You have to do whatever you think is best. So, yeah. And what about in terms of investment? Um, how have you managed to fund it so far? And, and do you know, what you need to do in order to get it to a point where um, it, it gets funded if it's not funded already. Yeah, so we spent a, a while building our pitch deck for the first idea of Beyond. Um, we found one angel from Berlin who believed in us and um, who, who we're working together with now. We wanted to make it bigger, but also kind of a reason for pivoting was that we found out that probably the idea we had was too much of a moonshot in, in the sense of the unit economics plus content discovery, like monetizing content itself is already hard. And we see a lot of publishers struggling with this, like well-established publishers. Content discovery where you're like selling the curation part is probably even even more difficult. So there was kind of also a reason for 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 going a bit in a in a prosumer direction and away from the consumer direction, um, we had the feeling it, it's it's easier at least in Europe um, as it seems. And I'm not an expert in this, but it seems to be way easier to to find um, investors for prosumers or B two B. Now with um, Web three coming up and us building a product in Web three, it's there is also different ways on how you can um, get money from from outside. Um, so we're exploring a couple of different directions at the moment, yeah. And you mentioned a couple of things there, um, a moonshot and unit economics. Um, just kind of unpacking some of the business terminology for for those that haven't um, aren't, aren't familiar with those terms. What, what do you mean by that? Mm, so with Moonshot, um, I, I think it's coming from from Google, or at least it, it's being connected a lot with with Google, where um, everything they're doing should end up in a Moonshot, which is kind of the risk is super high, but if you make it work and if you get to a couple of million users, it's it's a huge opportunity in that sense, because of the fact that the risk is super high. It's, it's also super risky for investors. Um, it, you can still have, like, you can have the best product out there. You can have the best team out there, but sometimes being successful with a moonshot 
company or with a moonshot product also depends a bit on luck i would even say um like who in, in our case with a content curation platform it probably would have um been connected quite closely to who are the people recommending content on our platform if we would get an elon musk recommending content it's probably a different game than if we have uh, like a, a lot of people who just started out in a specific topic or don't have a following at all so at least with the focus we had in mind we wanted to rather go towards the elon musk kind of direction which makes it risky and that's kind of the moonshot the unit economics in that sense is just a formula on how much money you need to spend to to acquire customers and then in the end how much can you make with these customers um, or how much do they spend so you've spent your career before this building products as part of big teams uh you know building consensus doing stakeholder management doing all kinds of things that are not day-to-day -day building and now you're sitting in a different chair it's just the two of you what are you what's the biggest surprise so far what are you spending time on that you never thought that you would end up doing yeah that's a really good question and i'm probably in a quite lucky position because before i worked at xing i during my studies i i spent five or six years in a in a very small digital agency in my hometown and we were three people in the end the two bosses and me so in the end, I had to do everything already with design and coding and all these kind of things. It, it it probably didn't have the label at that point, but I was used to kind of being a generalist in different things. Um, I never really got an expert in, in development or design. I think I, I mentioned that before. Um, and I never wanted to be because I, I kind of like being in, in the center. And I think... Uh, as a product person, you need to embrace this. Like working in a big company, um, you have your experts, but you need to talk in the same language to them. So they understand you and, and you understand them. But what's different now in compared to thing in, in 26 is probably I have way less meetings, which is incredibly awesome. Um, we do have a stand-up every day. We do have maybe one or two user interviews a day where we talk to people on, 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 about their problems. Um, but that's it. Like You don't spend so much time just talking about stuff rather than doing things. And then it, it, it goes back. Like I, I think we're, we're two people. Shane is doing an incredible... Shane is my co-founder. He's doing an incredible job um, when it comes to, to, to building the product from a development side. And I try to kind of help with everything I know from the design and from the product side. We learned in the last couple of months that we're probably missing a bit of this commercial background person at the moment. Um, that's the reason why both of us are kind of trying to learn as much as possible in that direction to kind of cover that. But yeah, it, it, it's not so different to what I was doing before, still sitting in Figma and designing some things. So, yeah. Okay, so you answered my, my next question, and it also explains why you used the term unit economics earlier. But what's the thing that you're you're spending time on that you never did before? That you, you What's been the biggest surprise of something you now have to do? It's actually not the unit economics. Like at N26, there was a lot of discussion about if the product people should own their unit economics. And 
I spent quite a lot of time working on cost reduction, etc. So that's not completely new. Um, I think the fundraising part is probably something which I imagine to be completely different because I'm, I'm a very, in that sense, very honest person. So if something is broken, I would tell this to everyone and try to find a solution together. I have a feeling in fundraising, you need to have a different mindset in that sense, more like from marketing, <laughs> you need to sell your idea. And even if you haven't written one line of code, you, you almost, you need to sell that product. And I'm learning quite a lot in that direction, um, being less humble in that sense, which took me quite a lot of unlearning from like a product manager role in that sense. Um, what else? Yeah, it's 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 a learning thing as well. Like three, four weeks ago, I was I was not much into blockchain or Web three. Now reading every day about which new token comes out or like what's happening in the industry. So the community in in Web three currently says that we're if we compare it to how the internet in general started in the nineties, and we're looking at adoption rates of how people got on the internet and compare it with the adoption rate of wallets being downloaded and used um, to access web-free technology, we see quite a similar um, direction. So it feels almost like going back in time and kind of playing with the internet with its new form, what's possible, similar to what in, in that sense, uh, Jeff Bezos did with like, probably we could sell books on the internet. Like this is kind of the the direction a lot of the community around Web3 is, is thinking and trying out different things. There are no huge players yet in, 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 in the industry. So it's it's super interesting and I'm learning a lot. So product managers are kind of notoriously biz, uh, busy people. How are you, doing all of the new stuff that you need to be doing like what does your day look like because you are um you know just making kind of key decisions on the product talking to users like doing all of the things that a product manager would do but then also having to think about investment and also doing a lot of learning around some of the the kind of areas that you need to know inside out in order to make make the business successful so I, you know, are you working crazy hours? Like, how are you juggling? How are you juggling all of that? Yeah, the the thing is, I've never would consider myself in in the in the past to be super busy as a product person. I probably did it wrong, or I managed well. I I I didn't find out yet. Um, but it's it's a good question like there is so many things and you really need to prioritize what's the most important thing at the moment and the two of us we sit together um every monday we decide okay what do we want to achieve in this week and then we break it down every day to kind of okay what's happening today completely similar to us to stand up in a, in a bigger company the thing is what i learned is you you get done stuff much faster than in, in a bigger company because you don't have these like stakeholders you know you need to talk to before you can actually start working so in a startup environment you just 
do things. You just try it out. If it doesn't work, you probably have spent a couple of hours and you can go to the next thing. Um, we're running quite a lot of experiments in that sense. So we don't want to build something that takes us three or four weeks before shipping it. Um, so just two weeks ago, we decided, okay, we want to go into a new direction. And we said, okay, what can we build in three weeks and put it in front of real users? And then rather coming from a time constraint and see what we can do in this time, rather than say, okay, we want to build this, how long does it take us? Um, that probably helps us a lot. In my day-to-day, -day, it's a lot of context switching, but I think as a product person, you, you're you getting used to this. Like in one meeting, you talk to a developer about a specific feature. In the next meeting, you talk about how the whole company's branding should be dark mode. So like you, you probably get used to these kind of things. And I'm, I'm fine. Like you work more, but in the end you work for yourself and that's more important to me than having a nine to five job, I think. And I suppose like a lot of people listening to this are going to be thinking that it sounds amazing because you don't have any stakeholders and there's no meetings and you can just get stuff done. Um, but on the flip side, you're a small team uh, and sometimes it is nice having that support of other experts around you and, and kind of an, a network around you to bounce ideas off of and, and get uh, feedback from. So how have you replaced that network? You know, who, who are you relying on for support in this very early startup mode? Yeah, it's super important important and probably i'm in a in a very lucky position because in in both companies i worked in product i met a lot of outstanding product people where i know i can always ask them and, and ask for feedback and um ask for their direction as well um my girlfriend is a is, is a senior pm as well so she's very honest if, if something doesn't look good or work right so that's also a great source of getting feedback and i think founding something with one of your best friends is a is a good idea because you know how the other person works um, you can be very honest and we are quite direct in in, in giving feedback in the sense of if, if if we think something should be improved it's never personal it's always like what does beyond need to become better and i think it's the combination of both like having someone within the team that you can trust if it's such a small team um, plus having like a group of friends and former colleagues around you um, you can send early versions to or that, that's a good thing as a product person you worked with designers you worked with developers so if there is a question i think a lot of former colleagues are super happy to help and kind of guide you in the right direction. So you said a moment ago that you didn't think you were that busy when you had a day job, when you were working for somebody else, which I can't believe because you were working for some from, uh, some very good companies, but you also had a side hustle with the PM library on the side. So uh, either you have successfully delegated a lot of work and which makes you an excellent prospect as a CEO, or uh, you, or you're just not recognizing how busy you were. But I'm curious, what lessons did you learn 
uh, well, from founding and getting the PM library up and running that you've taken into this? Mm, I think the biggest learning is that just because it works as a side hustle and making a couple of bucks on the side with Amazon affiliate links, it doesn't mean that it can easily become its own company where you can hire people. Um, that's probably the biggest learning. The The other learning is that when hiring people, and it wasn't really hiring with the PM library because we just asked our four best friends if they want to be part of it, but like surround yourself with employees, friends, people that really want to do the work and really want to get into a specific topic. They bring in their own ideas. Um, they're motivated. They, they all run in the same direction. And that was super key for us with the PM library. It's still running. It's still a side project. Um, at the moment, I would say only two out of six are really pushing through. Um, but that's fine. Like we're, it's still six friends doing it together. So I think that's the biggest learning. Like nothing can be more important in that sense than kind of the people you're working with. And I, I, I hope I can take this into the future. So when hiring people really looking not only for company culture fit and all these kind of things that you hear all the time, but like really getting people who are passionate about what you're doing or what the company is doing um, and then really connect with those people um, rather than just it's a place where they go for work. I'm not going to ask you to name names on which two people aren't doing their job and which two people are doing their job. <laughs> I think they know that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it's not so much about who is not doing their job because I'm one of them. It's more, it's more about, I, it, it's impressive on like the two who really push through for months now. And yeah. So thinking about it from a founder point of view, uh, for those PMs who are working in small startups at very early mm -hmm. stage, is there anything that you can think as a founder yourself and previously as a as a PM that you would really want and look for in your first product manager? Um, is there any traits that you would really need in that person in order for them to be the right person in this type of very early stage startup role? I think it comes to two different things. One of them is this output and outcome orientation. So outcome over output, it doesn't really matter what you're building if it reaches the outcome of the very young startup that you want to. Um, because most of the code that you're shipping in the first couple of months is going to be thrown away anyway. In, in later stages as well, like bigger companies probably also throw away code at one point. But uh, I would say the earlier the company the more code is being just thrown away and it's just being built to prove something. So don't think about scalability. Don't think about um, what happens if the 1 millionth person joins your product, because if you only have 10, those questions, you probably don't need to answer. So, which brings us to the second point where I would say it's all about speed. And 
in bigger companies, at least in the ones I worked for, most of the time you talk about quarters and, okay, let's do this next quarter. And this is probably coming in two quarters. In the startup environment, it's more about weeks. Like we, we do this this week and we do something that we deprioritize this week, we do it next week. So the, the cycles are much smaller. And I think somewhere in the middle where um, you have these like six to eight weeks where you should at least get, get a direction on where the company is going. I think startups are way below these six to eight weeks and bigger companies, they probably, they feel quite happy in those six to eight week cycles. Um, also because they need to have this alignment between different companies. So if a product person worked for a bigger company before, they would probably, not struggling, but they would need to do a lot of unlearning to, to get to these like faster cycles and like being being comfortable with shipping less perfect stuff. Um, at least that was for me personally a, a, a big hurdle where I spend too much time sometimes on things that don't really matter. Yeah. So basically just someone who moves really fast and yeah. is super focused on output, uh, yeah. not outputs, but <laughs> outcomes. <laughs> um, cool. So, you know, fingers crossed. And also because of all your amazing skills and talent, everything goes well with your business and it takes off. Um, and gets funded and then is like, you know, super successful. But what about just thinking about if it doesn't like, would you go back to product management or do you feel like you kind of made that move into entrepreneurship and founding businesses and couldn't go back to working for a business again? That's a tough question. And I don't know yet. I... I think when when you started building something and creating something on your own, it's hard to go back into this kind of preset environment. Um, you can still make a difference and you can still like build bigger things. I would probably struggle for a bit, um, but I haven't decided yet. I, I put some boundaries to myself also how long I want to try, um, what I want to, to get to um like what success looks like for me if we don't get there which i think in the startup world is super normal like some of the startups they make it some others don't i would probably go back to bigger corporations um but what i said to myself already is that i really want to um, look for a company that does something valuable like there are so many companies out there where I personally would say, okay, I, I don't want to work for them, but I'd rather look into um, like companies trying to tackle climate change and all these kind of things, um, like really important directions they're going. So that's probably the, the only kind of boundary I set for myself that I, I, I'd rather not work as, at a big company, but at a company um, that does something valuable. Sounds good, Alex. So we've got time for one last question. So let me close on this. What advice would you give to somebody who's listening to this that wants to go and found their own business? What's one thing that you wish you knew a few months back? I think the making the step 
from like a monthly fixed income to not getting a salary for a while is quite hard. So if you have the chance or if it's possible, like start your idea as a side business, like there is, you can start exploring the problem space that you're interested in after work, like start talking to a couple of people within um, or who might have that that problem. Um, you can get a, a first idea and that kind of gives you a head start when you then really decide, okay, I, I want to solve this problem and I want to build a company around it without the hassle of completely jumping 100% from a fixed job into entrepreneurship. I never did it myself, um, but I heard other people saying that these kind of accelerators could be a nice way also into learning a co-founder if you haven't found someone yet you want to start with. Um, I personally would probably only start a company with someone I knew before, um, but there might be others who, who might enjoy this. So yeah, it's it, it sounds always super hard to make that step, but in the end, if it doesn't work out, you can always go back and you probably learn so much in the time when you're building your startup that it's sometimes way more valuable than staying another three, four or five months in that same job. So, Fantastic. Alex, thank you so much for being with us. That was a really interesting chat. Thanks so much for having me. Thanks, Alex. That's it from us today. We hope you enjoyed this week's episode and feel all inspired. And if you decide to kick off a side project, we'd love to hear all about it. Tweet us at mtppod. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and if you're feeling fancy, leave a review. Leave a fancy review. Ooh. Our hosts are me, Lily Smith, and me, Randy Silver. Emily Tate is our producer, and Luke Smith is our editor. Our theme music is from Hamburg-based band POW, that's P-A-U. Thanks to Arna Kittler, who runs Product Tank and MTP Engage in Hamburg, and plays bass in the band for letting us use their music. Connect with your local product community via Product Tank, our regular free meetups in over 200 cities worldwide. If there's not one near you, you can consider starting one yourself. To find out more, go to mindtheproduct.com forward slash product tank. Product Tank is a global community of meetups driven by and for product people. We offer expert talks, group discussion, and a safe environment for product people to come together and share learnings and tips. Mm-hmm.